When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tucker with King Bull. You're listening to Jay Scott, and I got way too much chub in my belly to do this shit. Once again, it's the Hook Rocks podcast, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. It's a wild and crazy world out there, but hopefully things are starting to settle down. Um, Depending on what side of the fence you are, you're either happy or you're angry. But hopefully, remember this. Who's ever listening out there, both conservatives and liberals, listen to the same music. There's liberal fans that like Kiss. There's conservative fans that like Kiss. Same thing with Van Halen. Same thing with ACDC. You guys all come together under one tent, and you don't even realize it. So if that is the common thing that we can help bridge a gap towards some peace between friends and family, let it be music. Like I said, music is always a way to heal. It's a way to give therapy to yourself. The lyrics connect, and it connects with all different types of people. So... That's a little bit of my soapbox here as we begin the show. Also wanted to add, too, I've been meaning to put this in my podcast, and I keep forgetting, but The Hook Rocks is now part of the Pantheon podcast, the Pantheon platform of music podcast. So really excited about that. The show's reaching another level, and I'd like to thank all of you, the listeners out there, for all the support, for all the listens, for all the interaction. Would not have this opportunity without all of you. So thank you again. And we have a return guest for the third time here on the Hook Rocks. I'd like to welcome back Ms. Jade Alicia. How you doing? Good, Jay. Thanks for having me again. I can't believe it's already been three three episodes with you. Yes. I mean, geez, the first one we did, I think, was May or April of last year. And then you were on in the fall. Yeah. And now here you get here are you again in the winter. So always it's seasonal. <laughs> yes, yes. We always know when the seasons change. Jade's on the hook rocks. So I love that. I'm happy sh- to be here. Yes. Yeah, so we should always we should do like a thing like the when we do like daylight savings. You should always be on the weekend that we're moving the clocks forward or we're moving the clocks back. So it's kind of like a reminder. <laughs> I'm oh, down. Dude. I'm down. But no, it's great to have you on. We always get great feedback for when you are on the show and talking about particular topics that we do. And we have a great topic for all of our listeners out there today. It's something that does come up a lot on social media, and it's a way people do connect with music. I just mentioned that before. No matter what color, creed, or background you have, you connect with music either the same way some people do 
differently, but a lot of times it's like fingerprints. Everybody has their own story. And the topic we're going to talk about today is why is music so personal to people? Why do people have a personal connection with the music they love, and why do they always go back to it? So I know you have told your story about growing up and being introduced to rock and roll, and Y&T mm-hmm. was a big band in your yes. introduction to rock music, and they still are. And, of course. you know, I talk about Journey, and I talk about Van Halen and Kiss. Those are the, really the three bands that really connected with me when I was growing up, and I still listen to all three of those bands because they meant a lot to me as I was growing up and they continue to do. And also they've evolved with me. The songs have evolved as I have evolved as a person, which is a really interesting thing too, as we're going to get into. But mm-hmm. as we begin the show and the topic, talk about or what is your connection to music? I know you have the websites, you've sold merch for bands. You've, you know, you've had an interesting journey being so young that you are and being part of the industry in different ways. So talk about that. What what was it like for you when you were starting your journey in rock and roll and how you connected with music? It's honestly, uh, I'll tell you, it's a little bit of a long-winded story because music really has been such a thing for me my entire life. I mean, even when I was in high school and I was studying music theory, that's just like piano. And I would hear a series of piano notes and I would get a little bit teary-eyed and it's like music has always had a very emotional connection with me so as I'm growing up of course you know I loved music and a lot of people don't know that my my past technically career-wise life-wise and everything was supposed to be in the beauty industry my mom she was uh, higher up in a chain of salons on the east coast so that's the beauty world was my life since I was three years old and I still do that too so when I was in high school I was in beauty school I was writing but I was a beauty writer and a fashion writer and then the moment for me was I was in bed one night and uh, I couldn't sleep as per usual and and I had my Spotify on shuffle and this song came on and I heard the harmonies in the chorus and I don't know what it was about these harmonies, but the way they sounded provoked such an emotional response in me. I got like really emotional and I was like, this sounds great. What is this? And then when I looked uh, at the shuffle to see what it was, it was the song Contagious by Y&T. Like you said, Y&T has kind of just been that band for me. And so when when I heard that song, something in my brain went, this is what you have to do. You have to find a way to make this more of a part of your life. And I went to school the next day. I was 16 years old. I dropped out of beauty school, signed up for music theory, and it kind of just went from there. And I was determined to make music part of my day-to-day more so than it already was. It's interesting how you connected with the piano because I kind of have a similar story. As I've mentioned a couple episodes in the beginning of the show, that or when we first started doing these podcasts, my mm-hmm. grandfather was a lounge piano player back in the days of the speakeasies in Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he had this baby grand in his basement that he would play whenever I would come over and stay overnight. I usually stayed overnight like one weekend every month. And mm-hmm. usually on Saturday mornings, I would awake to him playing the piano. 
and he was a very heavy piano player. Like he really hit the keys hard and like it sounded like thunder. And I would uh-huh. get up, I was like four or five years old and I would, you know, walk in and half asleep and I'd sit at the kitchen table as my grandmother made me breakfast and I would just listen to my grandfather playing piano. And, you know, he would finish and he would come up the stairs and he'd have his black coffee with his Winston cigarette. And, no. you know, he'd be, there was these, and there's these, it's Italian bread called frazile, I think it's called. And it's like a circular hard bread and it's got a hole in the center and like he would break it off and he would dip it in his black coffee as he'd be smoking his Winston and he'd be like, hey, you know, I, you know, he'd be talking and, and everything. And, but I remember the piano. So fast forward a few years later, my brother brings home an album called Journey Escape. And it's, I still remember the Christmas lights on the Christmas tree because I remember that being part of my memory. And he put it on the turntable, and the first song on the album is Don't Stop Believin'. So, of course, the intro is piano. And it was like, oh, I know that instrument. I, my grandfather plays that. You know, he plays that. He plays the piano. And that's how yeah. I connected with music. I was like, oh, wow. And then Neil Sean's guitar riff and, of course, Steve Perry with his vocals. But that was really the first time, like, I heard rock music. And it was because of the piano that kind of sucked me in. And I think a lot of people, too, have that kind of, not everybody, I'm sure, but I think a lot of people have that family influence with music that kind of makes it a bigger part of their life. Like A lot of well-known musicians always kind of go back to, oh, well, when I was growing up, my grandparents or my parents. So I think that's a really common theme as well. Yeah, you know, and from there, of course, you know, it was just the gateway of things for me. It was just, it opened the floodgates, and it was just mm-hmm. Van Halen and Kiss, and even Y&T, I remember hearing Mean Streak, and yeah. being exposed to that, and, and there was this album, I forget what it was called, it was like this 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 compilation album, and it had Y&T on it, and it had a, a rat song from their EP, Um and I think Doc and Breaking the Chains was on there. And I remember oh, great. someone in my neighborhood had it. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. It was like metal something or I forget the name of it. And my dad had a cassette like that, too. It was like Metal Masters Volume 1 or something. something and it was yeah. like all of those, something like that. But yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. So from that, from music connecting with that, music has kind of been the guide with memories right I mean a lot of times when, yeah. I'm, when I'm thinking about stuff and thinking about things in my past from when I was a kid a young adult whatever the, the the circumstances I always correlate my memories with a song or the music I was listening to at that time me too yeah and David Lee Roth said something really interesting in an interview I saw two three years ago and he said if you hear a song that you like listen to it over and over and over again wear it out because mm-hmm. 10 15 20 years later when you hear that song that song will be a time machine and it will take you back to when you heard that song and when you were listening to that song and that's very true it's very real for a lot of people yeah no I'm the same way my memory is kind of you know granted I'm, I'm 22 but I do have a pretty bad memory <laughs> all things considered so I, I'm totally the same way with music. I can hear a song and, and it really does take me back because that's the mechanism I use to trigger the memories in my brain that I kind of can't really remember on my own. 
do you think your music education in school had a lot to do with how you absorb and connect with music? I know we talked about this briefly on the last episode, but because two other people brought that up since we talked in episodes, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's, that's an interesting correlation that I had not thought about before you brought it up in the episode we talked about it. I, I really don't know, per se. I know, um, of course, my dad was kind of the big, not even pusher of it. It was just something he was interested in, and I was around him a lot. So it kind of worked like that. As far as school goes, I mean, I was really close with, I was, I liked school. I was one of those kids, you know, I I really liked school and I was always really close with my teachers. And I remember um, when I was a little bit younger, like elementary school, I lived in a city and the city did not have a strong music program. And I would see people walking around with instruments and I was like, how can I get one of those? (laughs) Like, I, I, it wasn't something that was super available um, in my school district at the time. And then when I moved into uh, the suburbs a little bit, like of a nicer area, the music program was more apparent. So at that time, at least when they signed you up for school, the question was asked, okay, do they want to be involved in the music program? And then it was kind of up to the kids and their parents and they could decide there. But I, I wanted to, because I liked the music my dad listened to and I said, yeah, I want to play an instrument. And I mean, it took, I, this might be one of my favorite stories. I asked my dad because like, he's, you know, my dude. So I was like eight or nine years old. And I was like, can I play the flute? He's like, no. Can I play the saxophone? No. Can I play trumpet? No. Can I play, no. It was, and then he was like, I think you're going to be a drummer. And I was like, okay. So I started that when I was in the fourth grade. And I always had a, like I said, I always had a close bond with my teachers. So I think if it's present and like kind of plentiful, like if it's not one of those programs that kind of gets shitted on in school, which does unfortunately happen in music and the arts a ton, if it's readily available, I think the students will be receptive to it and more open to it. I know in some schools it's a mandatory thing. You have to take a music class. You have to have these credits. So I I think that's, uh, it does have a big factor, but I just think really what it comes down to is if it's available to the students and if it's something that is made to seem important. Cause like, yeah, we all know we need math, but who wants to do that? <laughs> you know, but people don't value music. So I do think it is the school and the educators job to kind of push the arts on students a little bit. You know, you don't, you don't have to do the nine to five office job. They want you to, but you don't have to. And I learned that because I had great music teachers who I remember when I told them, you know, I don't think I want to go to beauty school anymore. They sat me down and they were like, if music makes you feel good, do music. And I did. You know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, music class in school and how Mm -hmm. some districts across the country are not as receptive as other, other districts are. And especially when you think of like the East Coast, the East Coast in general is usually more receptive for arts programs and, you know, stuff like music and whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, interpretive dance and people can can shit on it, as you said, and (laughs) they do, but they don't realize that because of that, that makes a student a better student because 
it helps you with deductive reasoning. It helps you, you know, develop how you're going to plan things, how you receive things and how you absorb it. Yeah. When, when I think of music before I was exposed to it in school, you know, I just talked about journey and I talked about my grandfather playing piano and that connection. Then when I started to go to school, I went to, I went to a Catholic school outside of Chicago and we had music appreciation once a week. And none of the music that they taught, I liked, right? It was always about classical music. It was jazz. It it's was never folk. the music right, we like. Right. It's never. They, never, they never taught you about like Zeppelin and the Stones in, in your, your, right. your second grade Catholic school music appreciation class. It was Tchaikovsky mm-hmm. and Beethoven and Mozart and, you know, Miles Davis and all these other jazz artists and folk singers. What, what it did teach me, though, was how to absorb music and how to yeah. appreciate the instrument and whatever instrument is being used. And I think about today and why certain music genres are more popular than other and maybe why rock music is not as prevalent or relevant as it used to be. And it, as a kid, if you're growing up in this generation and the one before this, you're hearing music that is overproduced. It's artificial. It's sampled music. So they don't know. They didn't grow up learning about instruments, whether it's the saxophone, the drums, the guitar. So when they hear stuff, they, they process it as, well, my computer can make this noise because I'm always on my phone or computer. So that's, that's where the connection with the, I mean, I think so. It's my opinion. I'm not an expert on it, but, there has to be some correlation with the lack of music appreciation, teaching kids about instruments and different types of music, wait to absorb, to learn how to absorb music. And then also now having every kid's got their own phone. They're buried in it all day. They're in, on their computer. Now they got the beats. They got the samples. Well, that's how music's made, but that's not true. The music is not made that way. Well, maybe it is now, but real music is not made that way. And I've never actually really made that connection in my brain about like the whole music appreciation, you know, the instrument part of it, because I was talking about this the other day, because I mean, if, if you follow me in any capacity or even know me as a person, I love pop music, but not now pop music. I like pop music from the eighties and, you know, pop music is pop music, whatever that term means to you, but pop music in the eighties, there were still guitar solos. There was still live instruments being played. That was the basis of the song. And that that's completely changed with what's, you know, on the top 40 now. There's a lack of live drums. There's a lack of guitar. There's so many aspects that are missing from music now. That is probably why people are so attached to the music from, you know, decades ago. You know, we just lost a legend in the fall, Eddie Van Halen. And when we think yeah. of 80s pop music, of course, there was the band Van Halen, but the biggest pop star of all time, one of his biggest songs has Eddie Van Halen playing the guitar solo. And Eddie Van Halen also arranged the song, too, as well. So yeah. you're right. You know, even when my son listens to 80s pop music, whether it's Duran Duran or whomever it is, there's still drums and there's still a bass and guitar and, and people are really singing. There's no, you know, pro tools or whatever they use now to get the harmonies correct and everything. I mean, we just saw, you know, we're, we're recording this 
episode on the day of, of Joe Biden's inauguration, and we heard Lady Gaga mm-hmm. sing the national anthem. And, you know, she sang it. That's her voice. And I'm not a big Lady Gaga fan. I appreciate her music. But to have someone like that today sing like that is becoming more rare every day that passes by because now people rely on the production to make their voice sing or voice sound good. And then when they sing live, they have to have those same instruments of production to satisfy the fans because the fans don't want to hear what their real voice sounds like, you know? So Mm -hmm. again, we get back to the sample, the overproduction, the beats on the computer, and then not learning that there's real instruments that can, that can, make this music, which is why I think rock and roll, one of the biggest reasons why it suffers is because when, when kids do hear the guitar and they do hear drums, it's like foreign to them. They don't know how to process it. And even like you were saying with Lady Gaga and how she sang and that's really her singing, I, I have this conversation all of the time about how vocals even have changed drastically within the last 30 years like in rock music anyways the kind of you know classic 80s stuff that I love you don't hear singers belting out notes like that anymore almost ever like Tony Harnell from TNT people no one's singing like that anymore it's the construction of music now is entirely different and I think maybe that's why my generation and even the generations younger than me have such a different connection with the music because and there's just a uh, I feel and this isn't a generalization at all because good music is still made you just kind of got to look for it a little bit but even the lyrical content there's no substance in what's popular how can you connect with something that there's no substance to I I don't get it (laughs) right or the people that are writing about it if there is kind of like substance it's yeah, like not, a lack of passion, I feel, maybe. Well, lack of term. authenticity, right? I mean, yes. you know, when you used to hear, even like the old hip-hop stuff, right? When you talk about Grandmaster Flash and the Which Sugar... Which I love. Yeah, and the Sugar yeah. Hill Gang and all that stuff. I mean, NWA with Easy e and all that stuff. That stuff was the streets. They were singing about their life. Like, this was yeah. what they were living every day. And Absolutely. now it's like... You know, again, I'm not a big hip hop fan, and I am making a generalization now. I'm sure that stuff still exists, but now it seems like it's it's the same thing. Every time I see a hip hop video, it might be a you know a different artist, but I feel like I've seen the video before, and I've or I've heard the right. song before. You know, whatever it's about. But also, like getting back to what you said, you know, we mentioned Tony Harnell, and there's so many other people back in that era that used to sing just. In, uh, just a whole wonder of, of their voice, but also yeah. the, the harmonies, right? I mean, we just talked about Van Halen. What band, yes. what band can harmonize like that? What band can do that? My son's getting into the Eagles now. and I was just going to say the Eagles. Yeah. Oh, you just took the words right out of my mouth. On heartache tonight, are you kidding me? Nobody does that anymore. No, listen to New Kid in Town in, the, in that center uh, uh, harmony with, with, with the kind of break in from the bridge. It's like, oh my God. Like who? No one does that Absolutely. anymore. You know, I and it's because it's. I don't think kids would be receptive to something that sounds like that. You can't really dance to it. You, can't, you know, it just doesn't appeal to them. So, hey, well, <laughs> you know, bringing back David Lee Roth, he used to talk about the the beats and how I forget the tempo used to be in Van Halen yeah. songs, 
And if you, and I went, you know, as you listen to now, and if you hear, after you hear the interview where he talks, the tempo would be the same as dance music with Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And you think about a lot of their songs where, you know, Alex has got that beat going and like, you're right, you could dance to that. And that's why the girls came in because yes. you could dance to Van Halen. You could dance to um, whatever song it was, you know, whether it was, geez, now I'm drawing a blank, but um, you know, whether it was, was hot for teacher or whether it was, I'm the one or whatever it was, it had a, you know, that tempo beat that was the same as like Casey and the sunshine band or some of these other bands. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why they became popular. It was so many other reasons, but that was one of the, one of the big reasons why, but also the harmonies you talk about, you know, we just talked about the Eagles, you know, you think about mm-hmm. journey. I mean, with, with their three, four part harmonies in their songs, um, I don't hear that today. I mean, I don't even hear that. I think the struts kind of do that a little bit. Um, Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's so different where, because everything's overproduced because they've got to match that live. And a lot of those harmonies now are on a track. So they're, they're not really doing it live. They're playing a track to those harmonies and people don't right. even know, or they don't even care. Yeah, I, I, cause like, I mean, I'm honestly pretty detached from most people my age, like who aren't into the music I'm into. So I really honestly don't know too much about, you know, what other 20 somethings are listening to or doing when it's not even about what you're listening to, but it's more about how you receive what you're hearing. I feel like people you know, aren't going to an Ariana Grande concert, be it she can sing her ass off, but they're not looking for guitar solo. They're not waiting for that big harmony part in the middle of their favorite song. They're just kind of there. Well, they're music consumers. They're music consumers, right? You know, they're the ones that jump from ship to ship whenever there's a popular song. They they know the jukebox, right? They know it's in the jukebox. They know it's in the top 40. They know what station to listen to. And... They love it. That's what they want. That's what they want out of music. You know, they don't want yeah. to, they don't want a deep dive on an album. They don't know the sequencing of, you know, Van Halen one or Aerosmith rocks or highway to hell. You know, they don't know. They don't understand that. They don't understand deep cuts. What's a deep cut. You know, what does that mean? Oh, that's and not even, on the radio. yeah. And even like album itself has kind of died because singles are just the thing now, you know, I, I can, there are so many albums that I'm like, oh, the transition from that song to that song is seamless, it's perfect, blah, 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 blah. and a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I love this artist, and can't even, you know, they know their hits. Right. Nobody knows the full album. Nobody knows the weird instrumental track seven song, <laughs> you know? So it's just a completely different experience that is occurring in the music industry right now, I think. It's also the sense of wonder. You know, when I was, yeah. you know, when I was younger, you know, hearing music and hearing rock music, it was my babysitter, right? I would take an mm-hmm. album and I would go in my room and I would just play it for hours. And that's my mom knew where I was and I was listening to music. I was escaping. And does that really happen now? I mean, do you escape when you hear pop music? I don't know if kids really do because it's not really authentic. It's just kind of the same with everything but back in the day we you know when you would read the lyrics and like you said before there was substance to the stuff too yeah you know and 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 you connected with it that's why when when you hear someone talk about a song that reminds them when 
they were in high school or, or reminds them you know of being at the beach when they were younger is because they'd have the radio on and, and you'd hear that song and, and you'd, you'd escape to it and it brings back those memories but it was a young kid like myself or someone like you now you know who's able to kind of transcend to where they are presently physically to somewhere else when they're listening to music and that's such a beautiful it's, thing it's truly like you know even the effects that are proven on your brain that music has. That's why music therapy is a thing. You know, it's really a form of escapism. Listening to structured music, it has a positive influence on your brain. It can change the way it's wired. So, I mean, granted, you know, half of the population right now is probably, especially with everything going on, having some types of feeling of, you know, depression, anxiety, with everything going on in the world. Music is a really great form of escapism it's safe it's it's really great and i think it should be acknowledged as more useful in the common age it should really be that's what when it comes down to in schools and stuff if you're not teaching kids music you know what are you doing for them at the end of the day yeah and i think you know when you talk about the classic rock fan you know that's why that music is so popular you know, even though some mm-hmm. of these bands no longer play, they no long they no longer release new music, is because a lot of that music brings people back to a happier time, brings people yeah. back to a moment when they didn't have a care in the world, when mm-hmm. you know that all they were worried about was what they were going to do on a Friday and Saturday night, or <laughs> right, or, or when you made a mixtape for the girl that you had a crush on, and. You know, you had to do the sequencing. Well, I'm going to start out with this song. And then, you know, as we move forward, and it was a whole thing. Like, you really had it to was like an art it. form. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, now, you know, they're sharing music and all that. And I guess maybe in a way it's the same thing, but it really isn't. Um, but it was, a, it was a way to escape. And, you know, when you talk about the people that, you know, that's why these bands like ACDC and... Van Halen and the Stones and Zeppelin. I mean, Zeppelin hasn't put out an album since 1980. I and, know. And it's crazy. They could, whatever, any live album recording, any book that they put out, anything that they do, millions will go buy it the day it comes out. Yeah. Because that music, I mean, you want to talk about substance and you want to talk about connecting with people. I mean, that music there is just is undeniable it's undeniable with how people absorb it and how people still to this day i mean you know i i talked to my 16 year old son what's your favorite band led zeppelin he's 16 years old in 2020 bless him bless yeah, him yeah <laughs> you know i mean he he I, I brought this up before he was listening to a ccr cd in the car with me he it was one of his Great. cds and, and i go think about that this song was from 1968 and it's 2020 and you're listening to it I mean, that's that's the mark of a great song that can do that cross-generational and, and stand the test of time. We've all heard those phrases before, but it truly is real. And no matter if you're growing up in 1968, 1978, 2020, a song can still connect with you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That in and of itself, the whole tape trading, the way people had access to music, the way they got music, 30, 40 years ago kind of made it personal. Like someone is saying, oh, I made this tape for you. 
you and your friends are going to the store together to look at records. Now, you know, a lot of it's over the internet. So that immediately takes away the personal connection. It's just not the same as somebody taking the time out of their day to make you a mixtape or like one of those, you know, CDs um, with all the, all your favorite songs on it. It's just a real lack of personal connection, not only between the people who are listening to the music, the artists and the consumer, but the community of music listeners as well is a lot less personal than I think it might have been 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, I mean, some of the great moments and memories in my life is just, you know, sitting around a campfire and talking about music and, right. and you know, having the ability to to talk amongst your friends and they all know what you're talking about. Now, you know, the younger generation, how many kids are listening to rock music and connecting with it where they can have those conversations? You know, the, right. the, the other thing is, is that it, it's almost like music is no longer special because you walk into a Starbucks, it's on in the background. You walk into a Target, yeah. it's on in the background. It's always, it's like background music. And now people are correlating with, oh, that's just something you play while you're doing your chores or while you're doing things. No one's really listening. They're just, they just hear a beat, they hear a melody, and it's just, it's kind of like lost in the background. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and that was like literally, honestly, I, oh my God, I talk like t- such a 20-year-old, Jesus. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, um, that was one of my new year's resolutions was to spend more time, you know, watching the music videos, really picking up on things I might've missed sitting down and listening to an album cover to cover, because that's just something that doesn't really happen anymore. No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, it's because you, as you mentioned, it's now become a singles era, similar to what it was like in the fifties and the early sixties where, you know, you get the 45 and there'd be an A side and a B side and, People would release a single, you know, every couple months or whenever the time frame was. And that's what you had. You didn't have full length albums. And that's becoming the norm again, partially before yeah. even before COVID, but now with with COVID and who knows when live concerts are gonna come back, bands, especially new bands, have to keep in front of their audience. So what are they gonna do? They're gonna release a single here, they're gonna release this here, you know they almost have to keep up because people's attention spans are so different and so short that if they don't do that, they're screwed. They're screwing themselves. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. I've heard of a lot of friends, even my friends in bands who are kind of conforming to the fact that, you know, maybe it's not worth it to us to go sit in a studio and work on a whole record when we can probably make more money just doing a single every now and then. Yeah, and you know, for people like ourselves, it really it's aggravating because we like the full length album. We like the experience. We like to like absorb an album, an album over yeah. however long it takes. You know, spinning it in the car, whatever, listening to it. That's what it's all about for me, for you, for others. And but mm-hmm. you can't fault a band that does that now. You know, I mean, the, the first thing that came to my mind was you know, the L.A. Guns single that came out in the fall, you know, mm-hmm. and now they're going to put out an album, hopefully 2021. But, I mean, you know, here's a band that's always released an album and, and they released a single. It's a damn good song. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, bands are having to conform because that's because the, the way of the business is right now. 
Yeah, and if they want to survive, they got to do it. So like you said, you can't fault the band. If you love this band, you know, you're going to stick with them. But for the real, like, people who appreciate the music and what the thought that goes into creating a record, like you said, it's it's a little bit aggravating. But hey, that's business is business. And unfortunately, it is the music business. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm the type of person that gets aggravated when I can't find a physical copy of a cd or music right i can't find the cd right it's like i've gone to shows specifically obviously i like the band that's playing but i go there the only the purpose i want to see the band live but i also i need to get their cd and you can only buy it at the show so oh i as i've sold many cds to people who say oh i collect this and i've been missing this one or we have a piece of like limited edition vinyl that they need to add to their collection or something like that. So you're not the only person who does that. <laughs> well, I know, I know one person in particular, Richie Kotzen always does that. So Kotzen. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. He'll put stuff out that's out of print and he'll just sell it mm-hmm. at the merch table. And I like know this. So like I, I memorize which ones that you know, are rare, right? Like, Oh, you cannot right. find this anywhere. If it's on Discogs, it's like 1200 bucks, you know? So if it's there, so for, annoying. yeah, if it's there for 20, I have to get it, you know, but yeah, totally. yeah. It's just, and then I'm like looking on uh Discogs, like two of the discs that I have of his are like 900 bucks a piece. I'm like, Oh man, thank God I bought this for 20 bucks at a show because yeah, holy it, crap. It, it's just crazy. Cause the stuff's out of print. They don't make a lot of them like they used to, but I, mm-hmm. I often wonder what the future holds. And I often wonder about, you know, what people will think of rock music 10, 20 years from now. Will there, will there be a legacy of, right. of artists that are coming out? Will, there, will, you know, will it be able to have that opportunity to be a legacy? You know, I mean, I've always wondered why kids won't connect or the majority of kids won't connect with rock music these days. I do think it's changing. And I, I bang that drum all the time on this show that I think it's coming. It's coming, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to gauge when you're in a pandemic, you know, it really is. Totally. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, is it going to happen? I think angst and anger is always a, a, a recipe for success with rock music and, you know, as young kids are home e-learning and getting frustrated about not going out and having a good time, I think, you know, now is the right time for rock and roll to sweep in and have these kids connect with the music. But, you know, it's almost like they're being pushed out or there's a there's like a, 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 a I don't want to say conspiracy because I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but it's there's almost yeah. like there's a push to redefine rock music to conform with what the samples and the beats are and make that rock music. You know, like I see billboards, top rock albums for 2020. I'm like, I don't even know half of these albums. I, I what the hell is this shit? You know, it's like, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think it's because it's a lot of the rock music and the metal that we favor came from, you know, the seventies, the eighties, whatever. And in the 70s and 80s, it's not like rock and metal were necessarily obscure. People, Motley Crue was a household name. Like you said, Van Halen was a household name. A lot of these big, influential rock bands were not on the back burner. They were, people knew them. Parents knew them. They may have not liked them, but they knew the name. 
And I was recently doing work for this uh, company and it involved me talking about, uh, you know, the new top 20, like you said, the pop and rock that's, you know, on the charts or whatever. And like you, I didn't know who any of these people were. And I'm a 20 something. And I was like, who, who are, I've never heard these names. I've never heard these, like, I had no idea what it was. But um, this new kind of genre of rock and metal, that's a little bit of a mixture of screamo music and pop. And it has dance beat samples. And it's like this metal core-ish sound that is actually really popular and it's all of the artists I don't know. So I'm thinking maybe um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I am very into the sound that was popular 30 or 40 years ago, because technically speaking, I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see me, but technically I think there is a metal or rock presence. It just doesn't sound the way we think it should, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, obviously music has to evolve, and someone like myself, who's 46, who comes from a different era, a different generation, of course. Yeah, I I mean, I remember hearing it from my my parents when I was growing up. Oh, you know, Elvis, this, and oh, the Beatles, and and, and their music was much better than, how could you listen to this? Oh, what was this, Motley Crue, all that kind of stuff. And I and I do think, yeah, you know, most most people our age are not supposed to like the new rock music. We're not supposed to, you know, like Imagine mm-hmm. Dragons or I don't even know, you know, names to name. But I do know, yeah, I, I, I do know that there's great new acts like South of Eden and you know Joyous Wolf and Dirty Honey and and many more of that are blues based yeah. bands that are great that do throw back to that 70s, that blues-based rock. I mean, we talked about the Struts earlier briefly, you know, how they've got a very Stones, Queenish vibe, mm-hmm. and um, obviously the comparisons with Greta Van Fleet and Led Zeppelin. Um, I don't understand why, you know, why people gravitate towards I do understand why they gravitate towards it, but I don't understand why that, can't connect with the masses of kids of the young kids of the young, young generation because you know i mean you know these these guys are are are, are young they're good looking they, they can sing they can play and you know i don't know where the disconnect is i don't know why it can't why it's having a difficult time absorbed by by the youth of today or being absorbed by the yeah, youth of today like you were saying i do think like all those bands you mentioned they are getting more and more popular as time goes on and you are seeing more of that sound popping up and, you know, creating a little bit of traction. Um, I see, cause like me and you, like we're, this is, we are music people. We, we keep up with music when there's a new band, if there's a single from a band that's really popular, but the band, like we get into it we want to know more. We want to hear more, but I don't think that, you know, define kids like teenagers are really like I don't know if they're really necessarily looking for it or even keeping up with it the way that we are which is why it might not be so apparent to them because you're not going to really turn on the radio and hear 
dirty honey. You might hear the struts, you might hear like a song or something, but I just don't think it's being pushed and promoted by, you know, radio maybe. I like you said, it's so there are so many factors that go into creating a a hit really and a lot of it has to do now, you know, if you want to be a successful artist, you've got to have a social media team. You've got to have all of these things because is a teenager even turning on the radio or are they just using a Pandora, a Spotify, Apple music? You know, I, I really don't know. Like you said, I, I do believe music is still, you know, listened to on the radio. I mean, maybe not in markets like in Chicago or New York where, Mm-hmm. How do I say this without sounding snobbish? Where I think <laughs> I think there's there's maybe a little bit more access to technology and other ways to find music, whether it's Spotify, you know, Sailor Radio, yeah. Radio. But when you go to like small town America, rural America, I still think radio is is prevalent, right? I mean, I think. They still have the, the the radio stations that come in. Unfortunately, none of those stations play new rock. You talk about the college right. towns where you know the, you know mm-hmm. college radio is, is still big somewhat in 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 college towns and and whatnot. But I don't think. I mean, God, what was it like twenty years ago when there was a complete takeover of radio? Where yeah, was it was it Clear Channel and I forget the name of the other company there were two big companies that came in and basically bought up all these radio stations and you know that's why you can hear the same song on like three different stations in one market in a big market like new york or chicago or la or whatever because they're owned by the same company and it Mm -hmm. took it took the personality out of you know from the dj who used to play the deep cuts you know who would play you know acdc you know, have a drink on me, you know, instead of playing back in black. Now they got to play the popular song because of advertisement dollars, because of market share, all that stuff. So it's completely Yeah, and a lot of the time, down. and a, yeah, like you were saying how, uh, you know, the person you hear saying, hey, this is so-and-so, you're listening to this station, and the personality you're hearing more often than not is not choosing the music that is being played because most stations have a director and a, programmer who choose the music they hand the list off to the personality and whoever the person you're hearing on the radio talking uh has to work around what they are given so like you said there is kind of a disconnect a radio dj can have all the passion in the world but if they aren't picking the songs that they want to be passionate about to share with you it it loses that whole sense of personableness and all the emotional connection that they have with music as well. Yeah, because I think about how I mentioned before, you know, when I hear a song that takes me back to mm-hmm. when I was younger. And, 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 and it was, the songs were defining, right? I mean, they were not always the yeah. most popular song. And it was always cool to not like the most popular song, right? It was always cool to be yeah. that kid that, you know, I don't like Panama, I like drop dead legs, you know, or, you know, I totally, don't, yeah. or I don't like home sweet home. I like louder than hell off a of theater of pain or keep your eye on the money or something like that. But yeah, you know, I was, my, my son was listening to my vinyl journey escape album last week and he was playing stone and love and stone and love used to be a deep cut years ago. Now it's not a deep cut anymore, but 
I said to him, I go, there's one song that reminds me of like being around my friends when I was a kid in the summer is Stone in Love. You know, it just has that vibe to it. It has that connection with me. And, you know, I I look at him and his generation and I'm like, are there going to be songs for him and his his group of friends that years from now they're going to be like, oh, I remember. Remember that song? Remember how we used to go cruising with that song or hanging out with it? Kids don't go cruising anymore. Who am I kidding? But I (laughs) no, I can I can attest to that because, you know, obviously uh, I, I graduated in 2016. So even though I have been fully engrossed in music from the time before me, I do remember, you know, the summer, the summer of 2016, the summer I graduated high school, me and my friends every night, windows down, you know, whatever was on the radio up all the way, driving around, yelling, just doing nothing but being stupid. And we probably shouldn't have been out driving recklessly anyways, but I, I still hear certain pop songs. So I was like, Oh, that was on the radio when me and you know, my friends were having some of like the best memories I have. So that does happen. It's just yeah. to a different soundtrack. Yeah. I guess everybody does have their soundtrack to their life and, mm-hmm. you know, it helps that. And maybe, you know, maybe they will have their songs and, and it just doesn't seem, I mean, do you think it's going to change? We always talk about things being recycled and things that were once popular always come back. And I think, yeah, we've been waiting for rock music to come back and I think it's right at the doorstep. And I hope this pandemic doesn't, doesn't screw that up. I don't think it will, but I, but it's just, it's hard to gauge what's really happening because things are kind of paused all over the place. I agree. It's, it's, it's really hard to tell because the pandemic really threw everything off for live music and music in general. I do think it's, it's on its way. I really do. Because there are so many, you know, quote, popular rock bands that, you know, they'll be on a festival bill. Festivals are really um, a good avenue for bands to, you know, get heard. Even if you're at the bottom of the bill, you're still on this massive bill. And I've been to many, many festivals and you look in the crowd and you do see a lot of young people, but it's for those not our maybe favorite type of rock, but for, you know, the five finger death punches, evanescence, you know, rock in metal that I might not love, but it does appeal to a different demographic. So I think things are definitely going in the right direction. And I did recently uh, sign up for some college classes because we have so much time and I feel like I'm wasting it, but Um, And one of the first lessons um, I learned in this class at Berkeley was that the music industry does go in cycles. Like you said, how we're kind of back in the era of singles, which was popular when radio first started, when Motown was really big. It was only singles. So we're kind of already back where it started, where it all began. So I do think the cyclical nature of the music industry will end up back where it once was, back with bands kind of dominating. I do think um, we're heading in the right direction. So like you said, I can only hope that the pandemic didn't screw things up too much and that things get alive and kick in again soon. I really thought the movie The Dirt was really something that was going to propel a lot of kids. And I think it has. I think if you talk to a lot of male you know, in between the age of 14 and 18, they've all seen it, right? I mean, they've all, mm-hmm. 
you know, been curious about it. They all heard, you know, about the scenes and what's in the movie. And of course, you know, when you tell a kid you can't watch something, they want to watch it more. So, you know, I I, I think that was something that was going to be celebrated for, you know, because I always mention that article in Forbes magazine about how the demographic for people who are buying the music, Motley Crue music prior to the movie, then after it completely changed and it went in the other direction where it was younger people buying their music. And I know, you know, my, my son and his friends, you know, were like, you know, Dad, can you take me and my buddies to see Motley Crue over the summer with Def Leppard? I'm like, yeah. Even though I don't like the big <laughs> shows anymore, I'll go. You know, I'll go check it out with you. And right. Then, you know, and then of course, then the pandemic kind of ruined that whole thing. And who knows if if Motley Crue will be able to get that back? But right. Then we have ACDC release. You know, this big album in the fall. Um, yeah. That was also celebrated too by. The rock and roll community and mm-hmm. even in his passing losing Eddie Van Halen somehow some way I believe it was able to help his music and rock music reconnect with the younger generation because there was a lot of people out there who were like you know hey you got to listen to this I mean you're I know you're young you like your music but listen to this band and I yeah. think there was a brand new appreciation for his music and for his guitar playing, because I don't think kids were ever really exposed to that. You know, I agree about um, Eddie Van Halen. That brought up so because I mean it was everywhere. Like I for the from the day he died for about two weeks, I didn't go a day without seeing a post about Eddie Van Halen. And months later, I still see posts every damn day about Eddie Van Halen. So it is. I think that did. Um, not to like be morbid, but I do think that his passing did kind of light a little fire in the music industry and made people really realize the value of not only the music that's been created in the past, but Eddie Van Halen was one of, if not the first guitar hero and guitar heroes don't really exist anymore. You know, I grew up, idolizing Gene Simmons. Man, I thought that guy was God. Like, I loved Gene Simmons because he was just this rock star. He was, you know, a little bit mysterious. He, It was the whole package, especially with Kiss, having so many different eras. And I, I don't think that exists anymore. And I think that needs to come back. I think we need more Emmy Van Halens. I think we need more icons that represent this music in the modern day or else it'll never get that mystique that it once had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think about his passing, I always believe something good out of something bad always happens. Absolutely. And there was, I think, a reconnection with his music all over the globe because there was a sense. I mean, I talked about the, the, the sense of wonder with music as a kid. If there was ever a band that when, you know, Obviously, I discovered Zeppelin later on as I was older. Mm-hmm. But when I was in grade school, if there was ever a band that you just escaped with, it was Van Halen because there was so much going on. You had this guy flying through the air. You had this guitar player with this you know shit-eating grin on his face, acting like he was just having a great time. And it was a spectacle. It yes. was a whole thing. Yeah, and I've even told parents like some of my you know fellow friends who you know who have kids my son's age and they talk about e-learning and the struggles that kids are having. And I go, "Have you tried Van Halen?" 
Have you, have you <laughs> right? Have you just played Van Halen? Because I mean, it's impossible to be in a bad mood when you're listening to Van Halen, you know? Because it's just it's all it's just great. It's happy. It's good time. It's got everything, you know. And right, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm not serious about that, but you know, it there does seem to be, you know, something missing in terms of that connection with the the icons, like you said, and the larger than life characters and how that plays into how you absorb the music and how you connect with the music because music is just as much visual as it is in terms of listening to it as well. So there is, there is, you know, now people listen more with their eyes and they listen to, they don't necessarily hear the music there, but back then it was both. You had the music and you had the imagery and you had people jumping up on stage. You had these front men that were iconic. You had explosions and, you know, now, of course, I think you still do, you know, whenever you see someone like Beyonce or you see someone else that's got this big, huge stage and, you know, all that comes from is 80s rock and, and bands like Kiss and Alice yeah. Cooper, you know. But um, it is the sense of wonder, I think, is really what needs to come back, you know, for, in order for people to connect. You have that, have that babysitter in music for young kids, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's always a good question too. I don't know. You're obviously younger than I am. How? Right. Why, why do kids? Why do you think kids pick hip hop over rock when they're choosing what to listen to at a young age? Is it because everybody else is listening to it because it's popular? What What is the? What do you think it is? It's hard to say because that really wasn't my experience. Even I. I do like hip hop. I do like rap, but again, it's all old school. It's all pre 2000. So there is in current music, I think a disconnect, like you were talking about with Van Halen and with, you know, the big groups back then, it was an entire package. They had the show, they had the songwriting, they had the instrumental, like the prowess to play these instruments. There were so many little pieces that went into making this group so great. And like you were saying, well, Beyonce has a big stage show. Really? Okay, she's got a great voice. She's got a big stage show, but she's missing, you know, the authenticity. The, the There are just elements missing in music now, I feel. So I, I really don't know why somebody would choose to, you know, go the hip-hop route or go the rap route or whatever it is, other than the fact that it's probably because it is popular and kids are mean, um, especially in the age and era of social media, you can, you're susceptible to criticism from people that you don't even know. So for a kid, you know, they just ultimately, you want to fit in, you want to be like your friends. I just happen to be, you know, the 17 year old girl walking around in the hallways listening to party all the time by Eddie Murphy and wearing leather pants. <laughs> that was, that I thought you were going to say party all the time by or party all night by quiet riot. I mean, that's a good one, too. But, like, I, that's one of my memories was during my free period, I had my phone, and I party all the time for some reason was one of my songs senior year, and I would walk around listening to that. And it was a thing at some point in the pandemic that people my age didn't even know that Eddie Murphy made that song or had albums, you know? So yeah. I just think kids especially now are afraid to not fit in. They want to be like that person they're seeing on Instagram with 3 million followers and they're going to do things like that person. So, you know, it's the influencer culture. I think that might be 
what's taking it down because who did kids who loved music look up to in the 80s? They had the MTV VJs, you know, Martha Quinn. I love her. You know, that was one of the people who I used to, you know, try and find clips of on YouTube so I could hear her speaking. And I took that into what I wanted to do with music in my personal life. And I think there's just such a lack of that um, in today's culture. You know, you have these kids on YouTube, you know, making more money than I'll ever imagine making, you know, just posting videos of them going on a vacation on YouTube and kids are like, I want to do that. And I think kids are lacking substance in the same way that music's lacking substance. It's become lots of materialism and lots of looking great on the outside, but what's going on on your inside, you know? How about those kids on YouTube that are making thousands and thousands of dollars basically playing Minecraft and telling you what you need to do while, while playing the video game. And I, I watch this, you know, other, you know, kids in different houses or I'm at a friend's house and this kid's watching a YouTube video of this guy, of this other kid talking about how yeah. to get through this phase of the game. And he's got 10 million views or whatever, and he's making money. And I'm just thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, what, exactly. Where did I go wrong? <laughs> like, 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 what, what, what? I, I'm, I'm the sucker, you know. Like, I'm, I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? And it's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. I also think too think that has. Go ahead. I was going to say, I do think that has a lot to, you know, do with maybe why the younger generation isn't so into music as we are, because these are the people they're looking up to. They are seeing, oh, I can just go on YouTube and do nothing, pretty much, and make a career and I feel like a lot of people's goals are to do that how many kids how many people are there on YouTube playing guitar and going viral making millions of dollars off of a guitar video versus making millions off of a video game or a makeup video you know so I think maybe that does have a bigger influence than I maybe gave it credit for to begin with you know, you, you did say something earlier about bands now starting to get more recognition. And one of those bands that I, I think about when you say that is Rival Sons. And, Great band, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rival Sons is a band that, you know, really cut their teeth in the small clubs for a long mm-hmm. time. They, they're really big in Europe and in the U.K. Um, and now they're finally starting to get traction here in the United States, even though they've been awesome for 10 years. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that is frustrating because I think there's a lot of new bands too that are similar to, not in sound, but in terms of the the plight of what they have to deal with, you know, the the, the struggle. And I think there's a lot of great new bands. Sometimes they don't have the backing as like a Struts or a Greta Van Fleet does, but mm-hmm. I just think it's almost like it's 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 shameful that a lot of these bands that I see in. 500 person 300 person clubs are not almost allowed to be popular it almost feels like like they're not they're not being allowed to showcase their music i mean you know i i think of bands like dorothy or i think of bands like you know nick perry and and the underground thieves these are great bands these would uh, totally Mm -hmm. connect with the young audience tyler bryant's another one and it's like why why aren't they why are are why is it a struggle to get the, the exposure to these bands so they can connect with the youth? I don't know, I don't know. It's it's like it's it just seems like 
this is really good music. Why wouldn't you want to play this for young people or expose young people to do it? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I think the more we sit and talk about it, we're going to just go down a bunch of different yeah, rabbit holes yeah, because it, right. it really could be anything. Like now that I'm even sitting here thinking about the whole YouTube thing, it's like um, my family. I'm not super close with them, but I recently saw my little cousins and they are nine and 10 and I haven't seen them in quite a few years. So they, we were talking, they were talking to me, they were like, oh, Jade, I want, you know, this pa- this makeup palette from this YouTuber. And, oh, did you watch this video, Jade? Have you seen this? Did you see this on TikTok? And I'm like, I, I don't even have TikTok. What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? So I, I think there is a lack of music presence in what appeals to kids. Yeah. And that has a lot more to do with it than maybe we think. Because, I mean, even maybe my generation, maybe a little bit, if you're a little bit older than me, maybe if you're like 25, 27, even video games, you know, 20 years ago, they had kicking soundtracks. Like the Tony Hawk games, they had great songs on those. And music was kind of integrated into a lot more aspects of life than it is today. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's probably so many reasons, but the fact that the yeah. younger generation is getting pulled in so many different directions with video games, with sports, with whatever, it's really hard because I do remember a lot of downtime when I was a kid. You know, I mean, there was no tra- mm-hmm. there was no travel sports. You know, there wasn't a lot on TV. Video games were very prehistoric with the Ataris and um, even even the first right. Nintendo that came out in junior high was still, I mean, nothing like it is now. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think that, you know, the, there was a lot of time where you could listen to the radio. I mean, I still remember putting my boombox on the other side of the bed because my bed, one side of my bed went up against the wall. And I would put the radio on the other side where the wall was, grab my headphones, plug it in. My mom would, you know, wish me a good night and everything go to sleep. And then, you know, once she closed the door, I grabbed those headphones and I'd listen to the, the, the rock metal station in Chicago. And I'd be up till one o'clock in the morning listening to the music, you know, and I'd be dead tired, you know, as the nuns were yelling at me the next day. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but that was, you know, that was part of it. There was, there was, there was opportunity to do that. Right. There was, there was that yeah. moments where you could sit with an album for an hour or two in a bedroom. And I don't know, you know, with with all that's going on and all the technology that exists, I don't know if kids really realize that that they can do that because that's a good point that you make because I can kind of I'm I'm, I'm a very antsy person. Um, I always have to be like doing something like with my hands. I can't just like sit in one spot and do something for an extended period of time. And I think that is a very prevalent trait in a lot of young people. We feel like we always need to be doing something. So to us, maybe sitting and listening to a record for an hour, for two hours, isn't something we might feel comfortable doing. A lot of kids, you know, there even, it might even have to do with the correlation and the rise of like ADHD and ADD and the medications and like all of that kind of, it could have so much stuff to do with it because I really, now that you said that, I don't know of too many friends I had even growing up who could just sit and have the opportunity to dedicate a couple hours to music. 
Yeah, and not, you know, I mean, now if you're sitting in your room for two hours and you're a kid, you're, what are you doing? What do you mean you're not doing nothing? Well, you got to do something. Exactly. You know, it's like, just let the kid do nothing. Let, let him do nothing. Just listen to music while he's got his, you know, hands behind his head and his on his pillow. And, and he's just sitting there staring at the ceiling, listening to music. Just let him do that. That's fine. Yeah, it's What's like how kids used to, you know, you would play outside. You would do all these things and cut to, you know, 2020, cut to now. That doesn't really happen anymore. You don't meet up with your friends. You're on your phone. You're on the computer or you're sitting in your bed watching something on the TV. Yeah. It's that simple, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, we could go down different rabbit holes as to why and what's happening and will it ever happen again and who knows, yeah. you know, who knows. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, some people hear this and, and want to chime in on our social media pages. Please feel free. But it's always an interesting topic and in how we connect with music and why the connection is different now um, than it was before and, and why there's just a barrier right now. And And, and hopefully... You know, maybe if there's something we're not thinking of, people can can chime in, like I said. But it's always an interesting topic, and, and I thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, I'm happy you had me. Like you were saying, there are really just so many things that we probably haven't even thought of yet that somebody else is going to have a personal experience with and be able to speak on themselves that maybe we didn't experience. So I'm really interested in seeing what other people have to say, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking in my head now, you know, I remember buying – a cassette at Big Apple Records in, you know, Mount Prospect, Illinois, and being excited to go home and go in my room and listen to it and not be bothered. And I don't know if a kid can experience that anymore. Right, right. So So I do hope we hear from some kids or some teenagers who can maybe speak to, like, what are they doing? Because I'm so detached from young people. Like, I barely even know what they're doing. So I do, I'm going to ask a couple of my friends who have kids to see what they have to say about it. All right, Jade. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Um, you're always a great guest. You're welcome anytime. And, you know, good luck with what you want to accomplish here in 2021. And uh, can't wait to see when you figure it out and how you want to plan it out. So I'm excited about that. Thank you for having me as always, Jay. Like we said, I'll see you in what, summer? That's the next season, spring? Well, yeah, spring, spring, yes, yes. So, yes, so we'll have to do something where, like, uh, I don't know, some type of like you know, wintery marketing with this one, and then we'll do something with the spring. But I do like the daylight savings time thing. I think that's a great idea. So every time you're on, right. it's a reminder to turn the clocks forward or turn the clocks back. So yeah, we'll call it daylight saving. Daylight. <laughs> there saving. you go. Seriously, you're like you're like the idea guy or the idea gal. You're the you're the gal behind the guy, you know? Right? Seriously. I love it. You got a career in advertising. I can see it now. Everybody. All right, Jay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That's Jade Alicia, everyone. She's a great guest. Check out her webpage, Get Hard, or her podcast, Get Hard with Jade Alicia. And also, you can follow her on social media. I'll give those links out on my Twitter and Facebook page when this airs. But. Thanks to her again. She's a great guest. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I'm a soldier. I'm in the trenches, fighting every day to succeed. I can feel the blood rushing through my veins. Of your t-
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 